Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, may the Lord give you his peace. Amen? Amen. There are many childhood experiences that m most of us have had at one time or another in our lives. For example, we have all had to learn to talk. We've all had to learn to walk. And in fact, there's a whole host of what we call activities of daily living that we had to learn as little children. But there are other kinds of shared experiences that we also may hold in common. For example, has anyone ever asked you the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think most of us have either heard that question, and maybe as an adult we even ask that question to one of the children in our lives. What do you want to be when you grow up? And do you remember how you actually answered that question? I do. I was always fascinated by the moon, the stars, and the planets, by airplanes and rocket ships that were very prominent in my youth. So for as long as I can remember, and that's going back to about the third grade in this case, I always wanted to be a fighter pilot and an astronaut. Even before that, however, I can remember being in Our Lady of Mount Carmel school, and we had one of our school masses in South Philly. And I have a specific recollection of being in the church and praying in the orange position, which is the prayerful posture of the priest, imitating the priest. Now, I know that that had to be in the first or second grade because it was before I got kicked out of the Catholic school the first time. I actually got kicked out twice, believe it or not. But I think I turned out okay. I hope I did. But I'm sure we could all tell our own story of what we wanted to be when we grew up. And of course, the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, is directed at our common quest for human flourishing on the purely natural level, for success, for accomplishment, for prosperity. And all this is, in fact, really good. In fact, the social teaching of the Catholic Church has the very same godly goal in mind. As Catholics, all of us are called to work for a just social order that promotes human flourishing. Some colloquially call this giving everyone their fair shake or their fair share or their fair shot. In Catholic terminology, we call it working for the common good. Again, it simply means working for a just social condition that fosters human flourishing for everyone. Flourishing for all people without the demographic distinctions that these days tend to drive our social discourse and lead to all sorts of divisions and even, sadly, hatred. As good and as necessary as it is to promote human flourishing, we do have to be careful. We can't simply reduce working for the common good to merely giving everyone their so-called fair shake. As similar as the two concepts may sound on the surface, they are as opposite from each other as darkness is from light. The fair shake or fair shot or giving everyone their fair chance mentality hijacks the basic concept of fairness. Obviously, obviously, fairness as such is completely compatible with Catholic social teaching. That should be a no-brainer. But the fair shake mentality is not about affording everyone fair and equal opportunity to flourish. Rather, the fair shake mentality, as promoted by its main champions, has at least two 
inherent errors. You probably heard this somewhere along the way. First, it is Marxist. Without getting into the weeds, Marxism typically rejects that human beings have spiritual souls. Marxism considers human beings to be exclusively bodily beings. So it should come as no real surprise that Marxism limits human flourishing to the purely natural realm. Again, without getting into the weeds, the Marxist concept of human persons leads us to a drastically different conclusion about the meaning and purpose of human life. Therefore, Marxist morality and Christian morality will lead folks down divergent roads to different destinations. At the end of the Marxist road is one's destiny to die after a life of self-fulfilling experiences. Nothing more. You get to the cliff and there's no bridge to the other side. Death leads into an abyss. Human life has no higher purpose. By way of contrast, at the end of the Christian road, there is a bridge to the afterlife. That bridge connects us to one of two roads on the other side, the highway to heaven and the highway to hell. Are you suddenly thinking about Michael Landon or ACDC? Depends on how old you are. I know it's a bad joke. So one who travels down the road of life following the Christian moral GPS will inevitably be led to a different direction than someone following a Marxist moral GPS. It's a matter of meaningful eternal life versus a nothingness that is without real purpose in the final analysis. The bottom line is this. Any philosophy that fails to recognize that human beings are both bodily and spiritual is incompatible with Catholic and Christian faith and life. Therefore, a just social order also fosters spiritual well-being. It's not just limited to the material realm. Now, the second inherent problem with Marxist fair shake mentality is that it is economically considered socialist. The premise of socialism is that it is a moral imperative to, like Robin Hood, steal from the rich, they call it redistribution of wealth, and giving it to the poor instead. In practice, a very few rich and very powerful people manage the economy for everyone else who eventually becomes equally destitute. This is clearly not a social order conducive to human flourishing on any level. Again, by contrast, a purely natural understanding of the common good as opposed to the fair shake mentality is that the common good promotes a free market economy founded on basic moral principles, fair wages, we can agree with that, safe working conditions, we can agree with that, reasonable hours, we can agree with that, equal opportunity, we can certainly agree with that, and the rejection of cronyism, who doesn't agree with that? To sum up, it is important that each of us clearly and critically understands the concepts too often used loosely in our religious and political discourse, a fair shake and the common good, even on the purely natural level, have drastically different definitions. Now, lest you go away this weekend wondering why Father Mann, instead of giving a proper homily, is giving a lesson in Economics 101, what does all this have to do with All Saints Day? 
The answer is buried in the understanding of the common good, what it means to foster a social order that promotes human flourishing. It should be clear that our Catholic and Christian concept of human flourishing is not limited, is not limited to the purely natural level. Yet from a very tender age, we easily get stuck on the purely natural level. What did I want to be when I grew up? A jet fighter pilot, an astronaut. Maybe there was that inkling of being a priest. What did you want to be? I bet none of us said that we wanted to be a saint. But being a saint is the very apex of human flourishing. It is the ultimate success. It is the human person, you and I, fully alive in Christ. The solemn feast of all saints is not about the who's who of saints. It's about the destiny of every human person created in the image and likeness of God. It's that we're all called to be saints. To quote from the book of Revelation chapter 7, the apostle St. John is the author. I had a great vision of a multitude which no one could count from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing their white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. This was a multitude of saints, brothers and sisters. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation comes from our God. You could say sanctity or sainthood comes from our God, who is seated on the throne and from the Lamb. You and I, and in fact everyone, is indeed called to be a saint. That is what it means to fully grow up from a spiritual perspective. If you want to go to heaven, who doesn't want to go to heaven? You want to be a saint, plain and simple. Now it has been said that the highway to hell is paved with good intentions. And there is, of course, no shortage of obstacles on the highway to heaven. In any day and age, one might wonder if it is even possible to become a saint today. I'm sure Augustine and Aquinas, Francis of Assisi and Dominic, all the saints, in one way, had to grapple with this thought. In fact, St. Augustine said, I have, give me chastity, but not yet. But he eventually got around to saying, God, give me chastity now. He did, in fact, become a great saint, one of the greatest. And that is why the church offers us a multitude of saints, the who's who, that have attained the notoriety of sanctity. They have feast days, they have celebrations, all to inspire us to sanctity. But not all the saints are relics of yesteryear. We just recently beatified Father Michael J. McGivney from the 19th century, founder of the Knights of Columbus. We have some knights here. Wonderful model for us, caring for widows and orphans especially, and fostering holiness among men. But in fact, one of the most recent persons also beatified by Pope Francis is as modern as it gets. Get this. Of all things, a young boy, Carlo Acutis, who died in 2006, at the ripe old age of 15 years old, is a millennial. Get that, a millennial. Is a beatified, a blessed in the church. Now listen to some details of Carlo's short life. 
Harlow loved playing soccer, video games, and he had a sweet tooth. Harlow couldn't say no to Nutella or to ice cream. Putting on weight made him understand his need for self-control. It was one of his many struggles that he had to overcome. He had to learn to master the art of self-control, to master the virtue of temperance, starting by simple things. He used to say, what's the use of winning a thousand battles if you can't beat your own passions? That was his motto. Carlo's life reflects that of a normal teenager, striving to be the best version of himself, living the ordinary life in an extraordinary way. Carlo used his first savings to buy a sleeping bag for a homeless man he often saw on his way to Mass. He could have bought himself another video game for his game console collection. He loved to play video games. Instead, he chose to be generous. This was not an isolated instance, it appears, because at his funeral there was many, many other of the city's poor residents that Carlo had helped, demonstrating that his generosity had extended not just to the homeless man on his way to Mass, but to many other people as well. Carlo was also a natural jokester. His mother, Antonia Salazano, gives testimony to this in an interview. She would point out how his classmates would burst out into laughter at his remarks, and even his teachers would laugh. But since he realized it could be an annoyance to others and disruptive, he made an effort to change this personality pattern in his life as well. Making life pleasant for those around him through little acts of constant, was a constant in his life. Purity, purity, was very important to Carlo's way of life. Each person, he believed, reflects the light of God, was something he commonly said. It hurt him when his classmates did not live according to Christian morals. Fifteen years old. He would encourage them to do so, trying to help them understand that the human body is a gift from God, and that sexuality had to be lived as God intended. The dignity of each human being was so great that Carlos saw sexuality as something very special, if not sacred, as it was collaborating with God's creation, his mother would recall. Passion for the Eucharist was his truest and deepest passion. He called it his highway to heaven. This led even to his own mother's conversion. Again, amazing. A woman who had only gone to Mass three times in her whole life, in Italy of all places, was conquered by the boy's affection for Jesus in the Eucharist. She even enrolled herself in a theology course so that she could answer all his questions as a young boy. And at the age of 11, Carlo began to investigate the Eucharistic miracles that had occurred throughout Christian history. He used his computer knowledge and his talents to create a website that traced that history. It actually comprises of 160 slides that you can still download to this very day. Carlo could not understand why stadiums were full of people and churches were veritably empty. He would repeatedly say, they have to see, they have to understand. In the summer of 2006, he was diagnosed with one of the worst types of leukemia. It's 
It's called acute myeloid leukemia, AML or M3 sometimes it's referred to. His reaction, which I quote for us, is very striking. I quote, I offer the Lord the sufferings that I have to undergo for the Pope and for the Church so as not to have to be in purgatory and to be able to go directly to heaven. And he died shortly thereafter. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, inspired by the holy example of a young man who is a teenager, a millennial, and a saint, a blessed, his first step before sin, last step before sin. I ask you one more time, what do you want to be when you grow up? May all of us flourish in sanctity. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us.